This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I'm so glad you're joining us today. Uh, my special guest today is author Andrew Root. Andy's going to be talking to us a little bit about his latest book, The Grace of Dogs, A Boy, a Black Lab, and a Father's Search for the Canine Soul. So it's a fascinating read, really interesting topic. We'll delve a little bit into uh, the book, talk a little bit about uh, our dogs, and, and do they go to heaven? I think we all know the answer to that, but I want to hear Andy's pitch on that. And uh, find out a little bit more about uh, his writing styles, what encourages him to write the books that he does. So it's going to be a great, great interview, and uh, everybody hang tight. We'll come back right after these commercial breaks, you're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. You think that you're rescuing them, but honestly, they're going to end up rescuing you. You don't know what they've gone through, and they're not going to be perfect. And they are so happy that you are taking a chance on them to be a part of your family. I urge you to go down to your local shelters, pounds, dog rescues, foundations, you name it, and rescue a dog. Once you get your rescue dog, you should definitely order some Dinovite. Go online and order it. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dinovite. It's awesome stuff. 90 days of Dinovite will make your dog a happy dog. It will help them with their overall health. You don't need to spend thousands on vet bills. Dinovite is the best thing that's ever happened to my dogs, you know, besides me, of course. <laughs> Call 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Joining us now is author Andrew Root. Andy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Oh, it, it's our pleasure. And congratulations on the book, The Grace of Dogs. Tell us a little bit about the book and how it how it all came about. Yeah, well, I had never written anything on uh, dogs before, nor had I ever really even written anything on animals. And I'm just uh, I'm kind of a pinheaded uh, academic theologian that uh, reads a lot of philosophy and reads a lot of uh, theology and things like that. But we had this beloved black lab that uh, was so important to us and kind of central to our family. We even had him before we had kids, and then he became uh, really the, the centerpiece uh, around even raising our kids. He was just beloved, slept at my son's feet every night on his bed, at, at the foot of his bed. And uh, the, the book is really a journey of this dog and having to put this dog down and uh, the just the utter pain of that. And uh, it really revolves around my son at the vet's office. I don't know, out of his own volition, did this kind of spiritual act where he left left the room after the dog was uh, had passed and went out and got a Dixie cup full of water and came back in the room and again out of his own volition made the sign of the cross and stuck his finger in the Dixie cup of water and made the sign of the cross on the dog's head and lifted his hands to heaven and gave this dog back to God and so the book really is a journey to ask why did that feel so right and uh, why did the wisdom of an eight-year-old seem uh, much deeper than my own wisdom and what's going on with these beautiful animals and why did that feel like this dog needed to be given back to God. So that's really the journey of the book. Yeah, and it's really fascinating. And I guess the question, you know, as you said, it's uh, your dog has lived a lifetime with you guys and, and raised with the kids. And then your son uh, does that such kind act that he did at the end. 
Do you think it's something that he has sort of uh, learned from you and the lessons and the study that you have had? Or is it something that uh, just came from his heart and his uh, knowing that he should be doing that or, or would be a great thing to do? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I, I think that uh, the practice of actually uh, kind of tracing the sign of the cross on, on the dog's head was something that I've done for him every night. And so it was a practice he's picked up from being at church and uh, watching his parents for sure. But uh, the big jump for me is why did he feel the necessity to do that? I mean, we've never had done that for another dog. We never thought it was something you should do for a dog. But the relationship between him and this dog was, was so deep that he felt like it just had to be done. So, you know, I think it, at that sense, it, it was a learned practice, but it was something that he felt like was so important and this dog was so important that he needed to do that. So, yeah, and that, and that really, really taught me something, that there's something really beautiful about these animals. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So then through this process, walk us through that after that moment and after uh, – and the dog's name is? The dog's name is Kirby. Kirby. Um, yep, Kirby. So when Kirby made his transition and uh, your son did his kind act in sort of a celebration of Kirby and blessing of Kirby so he can make his transition, what was your thought pattern after that? Was it something that sort of like stuck with you and just baffled you and so you decided to delve into it a little bit more to find out a little bit more about the the souls and the afterlifes of animals or was it something that you were prodded along to do a little bit? No, yeah, I mean, that's, a, yeah, I mean, it, it was this kind of sense of uh, being part of this event. You realize that you had something significant had happened here. And so that really, it stuck with me. I mean, it, it just stuck with me for days. And the grief of losing this dog stuck with me as well. But then Owen's act kind of reverberated with the, with this, uh, just the pain of losing this dog. And I'm just a strange person. So whenever something kind of big like that happens, I find myself on Amazon buying books that I can't afford. And so I loaded up a whole, uh, a whole uh, Amazon cart full of books about the science of dogs and was trying to start to explore what was this, what was going on here, and uh, what was this relationship we had with these dogs. And so, so that was the process, really. And so I had to go to my wife and say, yeah, just uh, be aware there's going to be about a $200 charge on the credit card because <laughs> I, of all things, bought a bunch of books on, on the science of dogs here. So, so yeah, it was partly just the holiness of that act. I mean, it was just one of those times that many, I'm sure people have had on a great hike or um, in a moment with a child where you're just aware that you're kind of at a holy moment. And so that lived on with me. But then I'm just a really weird person who has to read about those those experiences and try to really get inside them and understand them. So That's it became right. a journey from there. Yeah. There you go. Well, you're a scholar, you know, and that's, that's one of the things you do. Conversations then with your son. I mean, was this something that you sat down and got his opinions on after it happened? And if so, did he have any great revelations or was it something that he just felt uh, in his heart that he, he should do? Yeah, I mean, asking him, he just felt like this was the right thing to do. And he actually put up on his, uh, his he has kind of a lofted bed and he put a picture of Kirby up after Kirby died and he, he wrote on it, my best friend. And uh, so he just grieved the dog's loss for, for months. And so the questions would come at bedtime. And you know the big questions that the book revolves around too, like, well, will I see Kirby again in heaven? And can you pray that I'll have a dream of Kirby? I mean, this just kind of desire to reach out and, and to, to love this dog. I mean, it really was the sense of a, of, a, of a connection of love. And so, yeah, just asking him why he did that, he just said that Kirby was important to him. And so I tried to, I tried to unpack that. And, and he did ask, like, why does it hurt so badly? So that's part of what I hope the book does for readers is try to get inside a little bit and give a little bit of a, 
oh, intellectual history or just a, a dialogue maybe from the religious traditions on on why it's really quite a logical and quite normal thing to feel such a deep loss with our dogs because there there potentially is. I mean, I believe there is this kind of spiritual bond that we have with our dogs. And when you lose a deep bond that you have with a living creature, it, it leads to deep levels of grief. And so it makes all sorts of sense that we would we grieve our dogs this way. So it was really just affirming him in that in that process. There you go. There you go. So through uh, through the process before uh, going into the deep dive and and uh, helping fund Amazon and all the other bookstores out there, <laughs> did you have a take on what your opinion was on what happens to our animals, especially in this case dogs, after they make their transition? And did it change once you did your uh, went into the deep delve into the study of it all? Yeah, well, I've been a dog person my whole life, and had you know dogs growing up that meant so much to me, and. So, you know, I, I, you have these deep kind of in, intuitive sense. I, I think if I was ever, you know, pushed into a corner, I would think, well, God's got to do something with dogs. I mean, dogs are just so beautiful. There's got to be something going on. But, you know, when you're trained as an academic theologian, the last thing you really talk about, you know, I never took a class on uh, what happens to dead dogs or, you know, uh, the spiritual connections of cats and, and mice. So, uh, you know, it's something I, I hadn't thought about too much. And, uh, and yet, I found myself wondering if there was something there, but then it was really getting inside of this study that I uh, that I started to explore this. And I, I think there is a real way for us to think about our dogs entering into eternal life in some way or entering into uh, going to heaven, I guess, as we kind of popularly say. I think there's a, there's a way that that really makes quite a deal of sense for us. Absolutely, absolutely. I would have to believe every one of my listeners out there, uh, we've talked about this many, many times about animals and their transition and what happens and when they go to heaven or uh, go to the Rainbow Bridge. I would think that this is definitely uh, uh, up their line. They would all agree that if that they're sentient beings and that they have a soul and they have a purpose for being here, and we, uh, it would make perfectly uh, good sense yeah. that we all end up back in the same place. Yeah, and I think that's you know it's it, that's true for any animals. I think that we loved and that we call pets, and I think there's something really unique about dogs. And dogs can kind of lead us into thinking about this because there's this there is this deep sense of dogs' interconnection with us, and a lot of the, the new science on dogs, relatively new, last 15 years or so, is just really kind of drawn out how how deeply dogs connect with our face and can read our facial expressions, really t- take in our face. So there becomes this deep kind of interconnection that happens through this kind of face-to-face communication. And, you know, as a theologian to talk about, like, well, what is a soul? And it, it's it's hard to know. I mean, we've kind of gone all sorts of philosophical conversations about what are souls, and it seems like we can kind of say that a soul is not some kind of invisible substance in our body, but has something to do with our cognitive state, something to do with our ability for our mind to connect a, a bigger mind. And there's really ways that dogs so beautifully do a theory of mind on us. They read our minds in a beautiful way. And anyone who's been a dog owner knows that your dog tends to know when you're sad even before you do. And your mm-hmm. your dog uh, knows time better, signs better than you sometimes. Coming to coming to the door with his leash and letting you know that it's it's time to go outside. And you know your dog often, if you start to get in a fight with your wife, hides under the bed. I mean, your dog can sense the emotional temperature of a room. And and that kind of interaction and that kind of communication just does something deep to us. And so as a theologian, I kind of want to say what 
soul or even spirit is, is this deep level of interconnection, that this kind of deep level of interconnection that touches, will go so deep that it touches love. And for me, it becomes really hard to not then claim that dogs are these soulful animals, that they interconnect with us. And if that really does touch love, then in my mind, it's hard for us not to imagine that having some kind of eternal capacity, that that which we love through kind of interconnection, communication, um, lives on. And so, yeah, I mean, I found myself kind of surprised in this book uh, as a kind of academic theologian who stood in front of, you know, Ivy League audiences trying to defend theological points to have to say, no, I think it's really, I think it's quite logical for us to argue that all dogs go to heaven. Um, at least good, uh, at least those good dogs who don't, you know, bite us. But, uh, <laughs> but that all these dogs that we love and that love us, that there's got to be something, there's something deep about it. And uh, so, yeah, I think I changed a little bit in, in the process of, of writing the book. That's right. And if a dog bites you, we probably did something to cause it. So it's usually the human. <laughs> that, that's that's yeah, that's very true. That's uh, yeah, most dogs need to be bent by human human evil often to to turn out to be monsters. Um, but they really do want to be near us and receive love from us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So then we talk about the uh, the the scientific mind, the the educated mind, the scholar part of your brain that's out there. In the book, you did a great job of trying to uh, talk about okay, how do you broach the subject with friends and family and scholarly uh, colleagues. If you're an animal lover and you have been around animals, then this is a topic, at least for me, that's common. You know, I, I talk about this. I write about this. I, you know, I've read about this and been around other authors and writers that write about animals that have made their transition and what they believe happens to them. But from your standpoint, I can imagine it's a little bit different, you know, because um, I hate to say this, but it's sometimes hard for uh, scholars or scientific minds to step out of that box, you say. Yeah, oh no, that's definitely true, and that was uh, part of the journey, and hopefully a little humorous part of the the book is kind of waking up and realizing I needed to follow this trail that there was really something here and something big that that needed to be explored. But then going and <laughs> meeting other colleagues and other theologians at conferences, and then you do the kind of proverbial over wine. Well, what are you working on? And they would you know say something. You know, I'm working on the biblical foundations of reconciliation and I'm working on, you know, big word after big word after big word. <laughs> and then when they would ask, what am I working on? You know, there's kind of like a, well, I'm writing a book about dogs and you know, the, you're exactly right. Like the kind of look of confusion on why you would do that was pretty interesting. And, and yet I think, you know, the, all it took was a few, well, I had to be brave and say it. And then it just took a little bit of a conversation and I would get these incredible moments of even these, highly rational academics kind of breaking down and saying, oh, my dog means so much to me. And my dog saw me through a divorce and I couldn't have made it through, you know, the death of our child if my dog wasn't there. And, um, you know, I was so depressed at another time in my life and it wasn't for my dog getting me out of bed to, to take him on a walk. I don't think I would have made it through. So it doesn't take very long uh, for people to actually have these deep confessions of, well, in the Christian tradition, we would say of dogs ministering to us, which is kind of a beautiful thing. to think about dogs almost as our ministers or our priests, that they come and they, they care for us in a certain way, and they get us in touch with our, with our humanity in a beautiful way. And so I really did try to explore that. I, I You know, when you look at the evolutionary history, particularly, I mean, I think you can make a really strong argument that uh, we needed dogs to be human. Um, and not only, you know, did we... Did, did these wolves become domesticated and turn into dogs? But in a real sense, 
our co-relationship led us to be the unique human beings that we are who can think deep thoughts and be actually be the beings who are these homo sapiens, these, these beings who think about thinking. And I wondered, I played with in the book, if we actually needed dogs to allow us to enter into that kind of thinking. So it's very interesting to think we would have no culture, we'd have no art, we'd have no maybe no religion without uh, without these dogs who showed up at our camps eons ago and uh, we became friends with. It's kind of a, a really deep, beautiful thought, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that commonality. I love what you'd stated there that, you know, uh, no matter what level of academia you come from, whatever your level of study, whatever, wherever you come from in this world or where your, your life experiences, you have had a dog in your life or you've known a dog or you have a dog now. And that's the great common denominator because then everybody knows how much that dog has uh, taught them and has got them through challenges in life. And like you said, been there, uh, you know, they're minister at times, you know, getting him through, uh, mm-hmm. getting him through life's challenges. So uh, I love that. And uh, hopefully your colleagues will see your uh, how well your humor came through in this, how your deep thought and study came through this, and just the uh, touching emotions, because I'm sure they've gone through it as well. Yeah, I hope so. I, I, I really do. I hope it opens us up. And, you know, even as a theologian, to, to, to be able to talk about things that really matter to us. And, uh, you know, um, like I said, it doesn't take long. And people their dogs really matter to them. Their, their cats and their pets really are really important to them. Um, and so, yeah, even in academia, even in the sciences, we need to talk about these very um, kind of lift things. And, and from reading the kind of natural sciences, too, it was really clear that dogs had been overlooked for many years, and they'd been overlooked because they were just too too normal. You know, why would you get a million-dollar grant to study, you know, the, that beast who's laying on your couch and drinking out of your toilet uh it doesn't they don't seem all that unique it seems more unique to study a silverback gorilla or something but kind of getting into the the normal in the everyday you start to realize just how how shocking it is we overlook how unique these animals are um that can that we can communicate with that we can train to sniff for drugs that we can all of the ability of dogs to read when autistic children need to, to be cared for and and to respond to them. Um, kids who are having a hard time reading and, and have this incredible breakthrough by reading to a dog. I mean, all these incredible ways that dogs help us be, be human. And, uh, and they've been, they tended to be overlooked in the sciences. And I think hopefully both in the natural sciences and maybe with my book a little bit with, within theology and, and philosophy, we, we start to see just what a gift they are to us. There you go. Well, I think you did a great job with that. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back with uh, Andrew Root, talk to him a little bit more about the latest book, The Grace of Dogs, A Boy, A Black Lab, and A Father's Search for the Canine Soul. And I want to talk to Andy a little bit about his writing and writing styles as well. So everybody, hang tight. We'll come back right after these commercial breaks. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. 
In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. And uh, join us and continue our conversation with uh, author Andrew Root. Talk to him about his uh, latest book, The Grace of Dogs. Now, Andy, tell us a little bit about your writing, because obviously you're a published author and you've written many books with uh, great claims and awards. Tell us a little bit about your writing in general. What what excites you? How do you get on a topic that you feel passionate about? And then, uh, you know, what is your style? Are you up at four in the morning every morning diligently writing fifty thousand words, <laughs> or are you like me, waiting until a week before deadline and getting it out the door? <laughs> yeah, no, I write it all in one sitting. It just it just all comes out at once. No, I wish that was true. I wish that was true. Well, this book was a journey actually to write it, and there's I mean the story behind writing it. And- uh, a significant one. I've, I've written a number of academic books that have been more for academic audiences or really directed towards uh, clergy and other people like that. And so this was this was actually his own conversion experience, really, to write this book because I had written books that tried to make an argument, that tried to get the reader to to kind of read chapter by chapter. And almost like when you write it in a more academic voice, it's almost like you want to wrestle the reader down to the ground and pin them and have them finally say, uncle, like I get it. You, you're right. Yeah. Your, your argument is right. And I tried to write that, this book this way and it just, it didn't work. And I, I finally learned that you can't write a book for people outside of academic circles to prove a point. You have to give them an experience and uh, help them see things that they already know and feel. And, and that took me a long time. So this was, it took a, a good uh, two and a half, three years to write this book. And it was rewritten about four or five times. And uh, a lot of those drafts are unreadable and uh, are embarrassing even to, to look back on. But it was definitely worth it. And I knew if I was going to write a book, I mean, you just think of how important, as we were saying in the last segment, how important dogs are to people. I wanted it to be a book that would have a chance at least to, to be read by a, a large audience of people. And that meant... Uh, uh, freeing myself from the kind of mode of academic journal and trying to to come alongside the reader and, and give them a good experience. So I was up early. I was up early every morning. I'm, a, I'm an early riser. Uh, not quite four in the morning, more like probably six thirty ish. And uh, I would you know write, put in a good four or five hours. And most of those days, you feel like you've been beaten by the writing process more than you've uh, beaten it. And uh, but eventually, this came out, and so it was. Uh, it was really a, a learning process for me along the way. That's great. So you've learned the, the lessons of how to write uh, particular types of books in certain ways. What will you glean from this book when you go back to write something that's a little bit more for uh, for academia? Yeah, I think. Well, as a writer, one of the things that I've learned is just the real power of leading in and through with story and narrative. That that just becomes really important. And there's a lot you can do with big ideas when you get there through through experience and, and through story. So I think that will impact me. I think mean, at another level, just continuing to be really aware that what seems ordinary actually can encompass really deep spiritual dynamic to it. 
And, uh, you know, if you would have asked me six, seven years ago if I would write a book about dogs, I think, well, you know, that those are, dogs are just so ordinary. They're everywhere. That's not worth spending three years researching and writing on. But, you know, looking at, at particularly pets and, and how deeply connected we are and what they do for us, that's changed me too. So, you know, it, it really was a process of kind of looking at the world through through the eyes of a dog. And that seems, I think some people can find that silly, but it was really quite a beautiful experience. And I think I've been changed from, from doing that and, and trying to really ask questions and wrestle with what does it mean to be a human being? And if we can really talk about who dogs are and what dogs do for us, we may actually learn a great deal about what it means to be human. And in some ways, that's what the book is really about, is literally what it means to be human and how dogs really help us be human beings, um, significant human beings. And and so I think that will stay with me forever. Yeah. That's great. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself. That's great. I, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that uh, each animal comes into our lives for a, a reason, for a purpose. We as humans often don't see that until much, much later. But uh, if we follow their guidance and uh, realize, try to identify what their purpose is for being with us, uh, we can definitely live a more uh, fulfilled life and uh, maybe try to find our purpose as well. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, yeah, hopefully... Um any of your listeners who read the book, I don't think, I mean, hopefully they'll learn some things along the way, but I, I, I think overall there'll be confirmation that uh, I hope that they read it and think, yeah, that's I, I knew that, I knew that. Um, but I give them a little uh, a new angle, maybe a, a little bit more language to express what they know is uh, true deep inside. There you go. Well, everybody go out and pick up a copy of the book. It's available, I'm assuming, nationwide, all your bookstores and online as well. But uh, it's uh, name of the book is The Grace of Dogs, A Boy, A Black Lab, and A Father's Search for Canine Soul. Uh, it's by Andrew Root. Andy, thanks so much for coming on the show. Congratulations on a great book. And uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you somewhere down the road. Oh, that'd be great. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. Thank you. Well, we're uh, coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank our producers and sponsors for making this show possible. If you have a story about the animals in your life, whether it's in a blog, an article, or in a book, write it all down. And who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Everybody have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.